On today's episode, U.S. Air Force General Jack Ripper goes completely insane and sends his bomber wing to destroy the USSR. He thinks that the communists are conspiring to pollute the precious bodily fluids of the American people. This is Movie Time Machine. Welcome to Movie Time Machine, where we take movies from the past and relive them in the present. This week's film, Dr. Strangelove, directed by Stanley Kubrick and based on the book Red Alert, starring Peter Sellers and George C. Scott. Before we get into the movie discussion, let's go around the table and do some introductions and let everybody know what you've been watching. This is your Time Machine host, Chad, and I've been watching a lot of Shit's Creek on Netflix. This is Jamie. On today's recording, we found out that Neil Peart passed away, so I'll be watching my Rush in Rio disc. Casey here. Uh, I just rewatched Thor Ragnarok because why not? And uh, my wife and I just started living with yourself. So we'll see how that goes. So far, it's uh, pretty entertaining. Hey, this is Chris. And uh, I just started watching Dracula, which is the Stephen Moffat and uh, Mark Gatiss um, new show. So I was a big fan of Sherlock. So I have high hopes. So far, so good. Okay, before we go into our movie discussion, just want to let everyone know that our new episodes will drop every Friday for Season 2 on all podcasting platforms, or most of them. Please remember to share, like, and subscribe. If you like the show, please post a review if possible. And you can follow us on Twitter at MovieMachinePod. And please send us your questions or comments to read on the show. And now on to the show. Uh, first, we're going to just do some movie discussions. Uh, then we're going to end the show with a conversation about black and white versus color movies. Dun, dun, dun. But on to the show. So let's just do first impressions. Dr. Strangelove, first timers here. Chris? Yeah. So first time seeing Dr. Strangelove in its entirety, I've seen it kind of like bits and pieces here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but first time I saw it, the whole, like in its entirety, the whole way through, I was really impressed by the shots, like some of the the shots up in the plane, like in particular, one that comes to mind is near the end where the pilot is going through the checklist and you're seeing all of these like little like moments of like them like clicking open or like flipping the switches and stuff like that. Like everything was so clean and like very, um, it was just really uh, purposeful, if you will. Um, and I really liked that. I really liked the characters of in the film. Like I thought, like Doctor Strangelove was really funny. I really loved uh, what is it, Sergeant Turdison or whatever. Like I thought, I like he was one of like probably my favorite like character in the entire thing. Like a little bit um, over the top, a little bit obnoxious, a little bit crazy. Um, but honestly, overall, like this is a film that struggled to hold my attention. Like it felt slow in a lot of places. Um, I felt like there was a, um, yeah, like it, it, I wasn't clamoring to see what was next. Right, and that for me was, um, was challenging. Cause I thought like there were some really cool shots, but it just, it was slow for me. Part of what I, I think I appreciated about the movie was the, the satire, like all yeah. of it was satire and, yeah. it, and it reminded me a lot of, you know, growing up watching South Park and being big fans of like. Trey Parker and Matt Stone like it felt a lot like that and like again I think that's why there was some of the absurdity in the characters right like it was it was over the top because I think there were it was social commentary it was a play on like how silly this is um so no like just I feel like it had something to say but I don't feel like I 
I felt that tension overall because it was there was so much in some ways like like it was goofy there was goofiness there was stuff that like made it continue to not it didn't feel like i guess if you think about um platoon like that felt heavy this didn't feel heavy like yeah, you know but like they're like they're, i think you're too they're different they're different movies different, like, intentions though like this film was kind of intended to kind of i think draw attention to like the potential of like a nuclear crisis. Yeah, but it, it, but it was supposed to be satirical. It was supposed to be funny. So I yeah, guess like the yeah. tension wasn't something that I really felt because it was Just lighthearted. Of, yeah, it was lighthearted in nature. Yeah. Okay. So. I think the only thing that was goofy though were the characters. I think everything about the situations and the in the settings is very serious. Yeah, and, and so they, I think that they, was the funny. Yeah contrast was that it's just weird people in actual scenarios yeah showing how actually showing the absurdity of bureaucracy as it pertains to our military and how things like yeah i mean the very first the very first piece with them talking about like the president talking with uh the general or or sergeant turdenson or whatever and he's talking about like well you should know about this you're the one who approved it and then we have all these like Uh, fail safes but uh you forgot to (laughs) yeah like we have all these fail safes and yeah like it is it is again it's social commentary on bureaucracy and it's social commentary on you know how how silly it is that both of these countries russia and ourselves have these these uh systems in place in order to to cause this mass destruction that we cannot stop um, but again, I I look at it in the sense of like, it it was really lighthearted, and even even those like again like they went down this rabbit hole like like there's absurdity in how far that went, and to me that's what kept it lighthearted. Did you did you know how it ended? You mentioned you've seen bits and pieces. Did you know if the bomb went off if they made it there or? If... Um, no, I didn't. Okay, I, and was I, just I like and I I didn't know the like. Uh, You've never Slims. seen the cowboy scene. I was going to say Slim's You've, like riding. Oh, the, that's pretty no. iconic. Yeah, okay, yeah. so I didn't know that either. Uh, I mean, that's I've, I'd seen the movie when I was a, when I was a lot younger, and the two things that I remember were Rodeo the Nuke and uh, Mein Fuhr. I can walk. <laughs> Those are the two things I could remember for sure from the film. All right, and what? I actually forgot completely about uh, what's the the cra- fluid dude like that whole scene that oh, whole that, that whole scenario fluids, yeah. uh him being the linchpin of causing all this yeah. i completely forgot that was the the driving plot point so right. well i guess i'll just segue yeah. and go to uh i kind of agree with you for a little bit of it um there were a little bit uh there were some parts of it that i felt were a little slow and honestly it was that first war room scene is the is the part that kind of started to lose my attention but i think that was purposeful to kind of show how ludicrous okay we're in this scenario we're about to drop 13 14 nukes on russia but we're gonna sit here and just bemoan about it back and forth and argue about who knew what plan and you know here's the failsafe and and how turgelson or whatever he even starts arguing well yeah the plan was great it's the human element that failed us. Right. Right. Yeah. so that whole thing i think it was meant to kind of drag on that's interesting because for me like that's what brought me back to it because the sure. way that the lines are okay. delivered like everyone is really purposeful like everyone's like yeah. cutting like jumping on each other's lines yeah. like that scene in my opinion is done really well and like i think it's acted really well and that's where you begin like for me that's really where like the satire begins like for sure that is the scene that like really starts to say okay like this is very dry satire yeah. though because like I not was, over the top because the the scene before that was um the general in the bathroom and his secretary getting it and like i thought like when she was like playing all coy like oh he's tied up i thought it was gonna like 
pan to him like literally being like like in a sexual position <laughs> watched too much tied, naked gun. like being tied up with like a tie and like like that was the scenario but literally it was him in the bathroom I was like oh like okay then okay like, subdue your kinks chris and let's talk about <laughs> <Right>. the movie <laughs> no yeah so uh overall um i enjoyed the film i thought it was pretty good uh there were a couple other scenes specifically like in the bomber where it did feel really routine, which I think was maybe what kind of drew me away from it. Um, but overall, uh, it's it's super silly. Uh, I think the way that they approach the satire with goofy names, um, whereas the whole scenario of, of what was going on felt very real, but then they threw these really goofy people into it. And honestly, I mean, looking at the government running our country right now, like that yeah. is exactly Same how thoughts. I think it would happen. Yeah. It felt really pertinent. I would, I think, <laughs> kind of scary. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry, How, I ran. Whoever thought that Merkin Muffley would be a better president <laughs> right. than the current one, right? Good old Merkin. <laughs> uh, so overall, really, uh, I enjoyed the film. Um, like I said, I'd seen it before. Uh, maybe again in my life, I, I'd give it another watch, especially if it was with someone who hadn't seen it and we're watching it together. But uh, I don't recall too many times where I like physically chuckled or laughed out loud. Um, but I think that's kind of the point of a satire. It's not supposed to be belly laugh funny. Right. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be kind of absurd, but in, in real life scenarios. So I enjoyed it. And I think in uh, some of those iconic shots like Rodeo and the, the nuke down um, and obviously Dr. Strangelove in the wheelchair at the end fighting over uh, the half Nazi while talking about this utopia of 10 to 1 men to, fe- men to women. So you, you didn't chuckle at all like when like the whole conversation about like shooting the the coke machine that yeah that was actually one of my other the scenes that i enjoyed uh that was really good too well you have to answer to coca-cola and then (laughs) he answers because it sprays him in the face yep i love it (laughs) all because they need a little bit of a little bit more change to make a phone call to the president yeah Yeah, (laughs) the the, the operator was like no (laughs) No. (laughs) just she was so steadfast and unwavering how many times do you think people try to pull that excuse for a free call though i would that would be an interesting thing i would love to just have maybe we could see if we could get a special guest should have had a red box (laughs) yeah come on (laughs) (laughs) everyone's looking at me must be my turn. turn no it's um i I think I was the one who suggested this, and I had seen it before, but it had been a long time. So I, I remember enjoying it, but it wasn't until this rewatch I remember how much I enjoyed it. So I, I'm the other. I'm all in on this movie. I think just all of the beats work for me. Um, the ticking clock of the bomber going towards Russia, and I, like I said, I've seen this before, and I, I knew they get there, but I. F- forgot exactly how so when all the fail safes keep going like there's one more switch that goes wrong or one more switch that malfunctions so i'm like i can't remember which one it is that gets the bomb out of the plane so it i i guess for me it works really well on that end um and then i think peter sellers is just one of maybe the all-time greats that is not properly remembered in this time he probably was in his own right but he feels like like the mike myers is the best comparison i can come up with for like the 60s 70s maybe. yeah that's probably good, good i can tell you right now i watched the whole film and i didn't realize how many roles he played until yeah. i started watching like some some youtube videos to go deeper into it i said holy shit he was all of those characters and then it all made sense i forgot he was merkin muffley like i knew he was um mandrake and strangel but i forgot he was the president too it's he's just that good he is the president right like yeah yeah okay yeah i thought so yep yeah, he's uh, Merkin, yeah. Strangelove, and Mandrake. Mandrake. Yeah, and I think originally too, like Kubrick wanted him to play uh, uh, 
Pickens character, uh, Kong. Oh, sure, Major sure. Kong, oh, sure. As well. Nah, he, Pickens <clears throat> was but, too perfect for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was the right call. Yeah. yeah, I think Pickens, too, for that, like, showed up on set, like, in a cowboy hat and, like, a uh, jacket with, like, tassels on it. In costume. <laughs> they thought he was in costume. They're just like, no, that's just the way he dresses. <laughs> just missing And up. that's the way he really talks. Missing a plug and a <laughs> spitter. <laughs> Make it I'm complete. sure he brought that, too. Yeah, probably right. did. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I kind of have the same feelings as, as you do, Jamie. Like, um, it's been a while since I had watched this film. And I think when I originally, first time I watched this, I didn't know that it was satire. I can't remember, like, how the, the conversation, which kind of, like, pulled, like, made me want to watch this film. But I remember the first time watching it, like, not really liking it as much because I was thinking of some kind of serious, like, kind of, like, nuclear war, like, kind of some post-apocalyptic, but... Yeah, watch it again, man. This this movie is awesome. I know it does have like beats in the film too, where it is kind of like I can see how maybe some people like they get slow, especially like when the president is speaking with the uh, the Russian president. Yeah. He's yeah. like, "Yeah, I, of course I would call you." Like that whole thing is <laughs> yeah. just like Peter Sellers. It's just like he's the only one speaking. He's like, "Of course, no, no, I wouldn't." It's like, but it's like, yeah, again, to like Peter Sellers is. I think just this rewatching of it too is like, yeah, he is kind of like lost or forgotten. And I've never ever wanted to watch like the Pink Panther movies, but it was like, I maybe, like, I really yeah. want to like go back and like see, maybe see which ones have been like the highest rated and, and check that out too. Yeah. No, but, and I know we're doing more Kubrick films, just as a little bit of teaser. And I think we might have taken this one off our schedule, but for anyone who's interested in more sellers, like watch Lolita because he does the same thing in that movie with three or four different characters and he's just as funny. So I just wanted to, plug that yeah and i think that movie came out before yeah it was strange like two love? years before yeah. and there's a couple that's like you can tell he's warming up yeah. for strange love and i think uh was it columbia that was behind strange love it was like for kubrick to get sellers to play in strange love was like a big part of like columbia like funding this film too is like you got to get you got to get peter sellers in this movie in order for us to like want to oh, sure. fund this film. Speaking but, of funding, do we know at the end where the bomb footage came from? Is that just stock footage of? I think that's that's all test, testing test footage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, Which, did, yeah, go ahead. Well, it's another tangent. You're good. Okay. No, I I have actually on DVD. I have it's like a restored, remastered DVD of all of the test footage from like uh, Trinity, like the very first one. All the way through until like they stopped actually doing like, you know, like atmospheric testing and it's crazy. It's like beautiful and kind of depressing and depressing. Scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was gonna ask. Um, did anyone? So the the first thing that I did, obviously, you know, jumped into YouTube land because I love uh, to have other people tell me what they think about things right. to help form <laughs> yeah, my I opinion. Yeah, yep. That's how I roll. <laughs> and one of the first things I was uh, kind of stumbling upon because I had no idea this was based off a book. And uh, it was an awesome uh, YouTube clip about, or a video, a 10-minute long thing, about the differences between the book and the real film. Um, and it's almost identical with you know minor changes, and obviously the bomb doesn't mm -hmm. fall at the end. Uh, but it's so funny to me that they took an actual piece of like Cold War, eh, not propaganda, but Cold War, uh, a Cold War-based novel where it really describes the, the drama and the tension, and then... Kubrick said, nah, fuck it. We're going to be funny about it. Right. It was it's brilliant. So if you got some time, try to look at the differences between those two. I thought that was brilliant. I'm so glad you brought that up. I've told Chad this is my theory about Kubrick is 
almost every one of his movies, at least ones that are based off a book, he'll read it and he'll say, fuck you. This is better. I'm changing the ending. I'm changing the (laughs) tone. I'm changing everything. He did it with Lolita. He did it with The Shining. And I didn't know he did it with Strangelove. Yeah. Yeah. But he did it with, oh, what's the other one? Clockwork Orange. The ending's different. And it's a huge difference. But I, but to those those books, right? He's following kind of the letter of the book, whereas in this, he's taking what was tension and turning it completely upside down, and, and it's yeah. funny. So I think yeah. that's a it's a distinction there for Strange Love, which I think is funny. Yeah, how did this movie do? This is funny because I've actually never heard numbers from a, a movie this old. Yeah, I don't watch a ton of films this this old, so it's, it'd be yeah. curious to hear what this sounds like. Yeah. So how did it do in the box office? So the budget was one point eight million estimated. Opening weekend, not super great. The budget um, was one point eight million. Yeah, one point okay. eight million. Are you questioning my ability to read numbers? Yes. No, that's <laughs> no. I'm just maybe. I'm just yeah. curious. I'm, wait, I'm thinking of another movie. Go okay. Ahead. Yeah. All right. That's Doctor <laughs> Doctor Weird Love. You're yeah, Doctor Doctor Weird Love Strange. Yeah. yeah, that one. Um. All right. So how did it do in the box office? So budget one point eight million. Opening weekend, again, not a great opening weekend, $11,751. Overall gross domestically was $9.4 million. And worldwide, again, was $9.4 million. So with inflation, about 600 kajillion, right? (laughs) Roughly, (laughs) roughly. Give or take a zero or two. Which I'm, that's really surprising to me. I mean, $12,000 for your opening weekend seems really light. Let's say what yeah. date it opened. Let me see. Well, and that's my big question too with this time period and with Russia. Like I'm way too young to understand. But when did when did it stop being funny? And when did the USSR stop being super scary? You know, when in 1989, after the Berlin Wall fell. Yeah. Okay. The whole perestroika thing, Gorbachev. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, that's actually a question I, you know, I actually had for you guys like. For me, like growing up through most of the '80s, um, and you guys are millennials, so I, you probably don't remember the '80s as much, or like when the USSR fell and like the wall came down. Like me growing up, maybe it was just me growing up with some kind of fatalistic, like you know, look on life. But it was all, the '80s were all about like nuclear war um, between USSR United States was inevitable. Mm-hmm. It was going to happen. It just went. So like. You get movies like Red Dawn. You get like the movie like uh, The Day After. You know, it's just about like nuclear annihilation and like the Holocaust, which The Day After is a movie that like scared President Reagan. Like about the realities yeah. of like nuclear war, nuclear Holocaust. And and you get a lot of films like this in the 80s. It kind of, I don't know if like part of that like really impacts the pop culture of the time, the era, the effect of the Cold War. Um, cause you also get like movies like Mad Max, like these post-apocalyptic films in this era and Blade Runner at that time too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, just to circle back to your question, yeah. um, <clears throat> this movie was released January 29th of 1984. Right, so. right. And I've got from 64, it wasn't even top 10, top 10 and 64, my fair lady, Goldfinger, Mary Poppins, the carpet baggers, my favorite. <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> that from sounds Russia so dirty. I was good. From Russia with Love, Fistful of Dollars, Father Goose, A Shot in the Dark, Hard Day's Night, and The Night of the Iguana. They must have kept From Russia with Love in the theaters for a while then, because that would have been 
Yeah, back to back Bond. Is that this is just Sean- top grossing or Seanery? That's Seanery. That's, that's his new. That's his <laughs> new movie. That's when Sean Connery marries himself. Yeah, is that is that Sean Connery at that point then too? Right. Yeah, that one's yeah. a Seanery. <laughs> Thank you. I will. I'll patent that. Is soon. that when you? should be like when you have multiple love partners. Is that Seanery? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe that explains the the poor the numbers on the the opening weekend is it maybe it just wasn't that super popular yeah. and it, it kind of grew yeah. over time i also wonder if there's any other you know you said it didn't make the top 10 i'm curious if there's any other big blockbusters that opened around that same time well and where does this fall in kubrick's like filmography was it's he a early. big name here yet Ooh, i don't think you'd be a big name film and just before this was paths of glory and there was like the killer killer's and kiss spartacus fear and desire oh, oh spartacus yeah. there spartacus it is come out? 60 Okay. Yeah, a little oh, that, had, that was his, that had to have been like his movie. So he had a name yeah, then. Yeah. So that is it's yeah. a little more surprising then that it it didn't right. do as well. But and that's the Spartacus very... that was written by um, Trumbo, right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, if Black I recall, list. yeah, yeah. Yep. He got blacklisted. Yeah. But yeah, true. Forgot about that. While watching it, was this felt like it was almost written for stage. There were three scenes, oh, that's and all the oh, action yeah. was yep. contained within those three. So it almost, yeah. to me, it felt like a play on film. And that would make more yeah, sense point. too for me with the way that it was acted, yeah. because it was everything was so big. Yep. Like, which is what you have to do in live theater. Like, everything has to be overly <laughs> pronounced, um, and big, and large gestures. And I wonder if anyone's adapted it for stage just because. I bet there is. Google it. Dude. And clearly, he didn't write it for stage because he right. was a filmmaker at the time. But it, that I'm just pretty sure what it feels there's to. a high school one act that has done this. Yeah, probably. <laughs> this is a three act. Come on. <laughs> other, I guess, other than like the 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 nuke scene, the nuke shots, um, yep. the bomb dropping itself, and that opening scene of the refueling, which I didn't know at the time while watching it, but apparently that was included to be super phallic. Yep, like it, super yeah, sexual with the music. Yeah. Um, and now looking back on it, it's a lot funnier. I was kind of bored with the opening credits, like, ah, whoop de do opening yeah. credits. But now I'm appreciating them more uh, after being nudged towards that imagery. How do you feel about the ending? Like, just the ending with, like, all, like, the bombs going off with the, we'll meet again. I, I thought it was perfect that away. that they're all just sitting there talking about who's in a bang who, and then the world ends. Yeah. That's yeah. The, Of course it would end right. that way. But did you know there was a different ending? Yeah, the pie fight. The pie fight. I didn't yeah. know that either. That was super, uh, super interesting to hear about too. I didn't know about the pie fight. What happened? What yeah, happened? why don't you it talk about supposed... it for like others that might not know? Yeah, so I like, clearly I know. know. Yeah, I clearly know. But like know. Li- our listeners, I'm listen- I'm looking out for our yeah, listeners. Yeah, Well, I read briefly. I said something to do with like the idea of them all like waiting there and being hungry because I think there's a scene earlier with like. The Russian dude's eating at the yeah. table when he first walks in. Yeah, and but they all like, turtled like, and gets pissed or something and... like yeah. But like, yeah, after the part where Strange Love gets up and they're like, "Mind I can walk." <laughs> you can put that in a high school play. Dawson, uh, a pie fight breaks out. Well, so. someone like throws a pie at someone for some reason, and it hits the president. Yeah, and then it just turns, it degrades into a, a pie fight, and that was how it was supposed to end. Okay, that'd be kind of funny, especially if they didn't introduce the pies at all, and it just happened. I, I like the ending we got, but yeah, I would also laugh, I guess, where I'm at with the pie fight. I'd take either. Well, um, there was a the funny reason. Let's see. Yeah, because you remember at the very end, uh, the Russian ambassador guy, they do show him like snapping photos, which was 
Remember, he had some little device, a right. little phone, a little yeah. camera. Oh yeah, the, which they, led to they, nothing. They had a little like fight about it earlier. Yes, yeah, but then earlier, they yeah. show him. They they throw back to it, and he's actually taking photos after you oh. know all shit's gone bad. And I think that was supposed to be for that scene because he's supposed to get caught doing it, and then the pies oh, start yeah. flying. Oh, that was the that setup. Was, yeah. But they never even they show him taking those pictures, and then nothing comes right. of it. Like whoop de do, right. world's ending anyways. Um, but then. What happens here? Oh, yeah, they get another fight with Turgeldson there, and then someone throws a, a pie, and it hits the president, and then everyone just starts throwing pies. But they, they pulled that for a reason, and I don't remember why. I think one of the executives thought actually throwing pies and hitting the president or showing violence of some kind was the reason they pulled it. It was like a oh, just bureaucratic Kennedy. political. Yeah, it, oh, it was the Kennedy. Was, Kennedy yeah, was the reason. The November before that, Kennedy got now that you said that, I'm pretty sure Kennedy was the reason I read why they pulled that. Yeah, there was a line too that they took out that uh, Major Kong says, like when he's doing his little speech there yeah. towards the end, he says something about I don't reference the president, but they removed that too due to uh, the JFK assassination. Speaking of Kong, you guys remember all the stuff in the uh, the care packages they all got as he's reading? Oh yeah, yeah, that, was, yeah. that was pretty great. Survival kit contents check. In them you will find 145 caliber automatic, two boxes of ammunition, four days concentrated emergency rations, one drug issue containing antibiotics, morphine, vitamin pills, pep pills, sleeping pills, tranquilizer pills, one miniature combination Russian phrase book and Bible. $100 in rubles, $100 in gold, nine packs of chewing gum, one issue of prophylactics, three lipsticks, three pair of nylon stockings. Shoot, I felt like I'd have a pretty good weekend in Vegas with all that stuff. Yeah, that was really funny. Like, I, I don't know why, but to me, like, some of the funniest stuff was in that plane. Yeah. Like that, like some, yeah. like that to me was all the best shots too. Like, like everything in that on that plane was James Jer- awesome. James Earl Jones was on that plane. Damn right. Really? <laughs> Dang, I didn't even realize that. Really? Yeah. Shows how much I was paying attention. Right. Yeah, you're playing a game on your phone. Uh, he was that was so 2001. good. <laughs> <as> Mufasa. <laughs> Is there a reason that gum was su- chewing gum was such a reoccurring theme? Like Turtleson was down in it. The, every time you saw him, he was popping a new piece of gum. That's and why did they question. get seven yeah. packs of gum in their emergency kit? How else do you get a budget of one point eight million? I guess right. a lot. Brought of to gum. you by Wrigley's. Yeah, thanks, Riggs. <clears throat> Juicy fruit. That was early product <laughs> placement. Knew it. Caught. All right. So, I'm gonna list some movies here. All right. What, what, these what movies? game are we playing? Just wait. Advocate. Learn to stop worrying and love the game. Yeah. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> what do these movies have in common? Grapes of Wrath. The Day the Earth Stood Still, Elephant Man, Citizen Kane, In Cold Blood, Black Pie, and White, Schindler's List, Metropolis, Raging Bull, Doctor Strange Love. Black and White. They're all black and white films. Some of the greatest black and white films. Some of the greatest movies that are black and white. Are films. there good black and white films? I don't know. So I guess let's debate let's, that. Let's talk about that. You are a master debater. In a new segment called Versus. Yeah, so like uh, in our discussion before this, you had talked about like, well, in the past, so like just 
black and white movies and just don't do it for me generally yeah. like, what, there, what like there have been a couple like, like black and white movies that i've seen that i've liked uh schindler's list being one but like i just i don't know like i've never have like i've never had to watch a black and white film because i've grown up with color movies <laughs> like, it's just like it is just very simple to you know me. actually every so, movie like, to is go, black and white if you change the color well that's true the contrast yeah, yeah. i don't see color <laughs> but, but, but for progressive me, like, podcast <laughs> I don't know. Like I go back and like, like honestly, I would say the biggest thing is like it feels distracting to me. It like it is so different. I like I uh, akin it to when you're watching movies with other people that don't generally watch movies with like subtitles, and you throw subtitles on, and it's distracting. Like that's what it is. Like so, I I generally watch movies with subtitles, but like when I have people over and they're like, "Do you always do this?" I was like, "Yeah." What are you talking about? like the subtitles it's like oh i don't even notice it anymore and so i think like that for me is probably what it is it's it's distracting and it feels weird and honestly like it is generally older movies unless it's a newer movie that tends to do like that is like doing it purposely right right or for a reason um and so i just i don't go back and watch a ton of like older movies either like i tried watching costa blanca i know that great film that like just didn't do it for me. I couldn't finish it. Like I got like halfway through and was like, I'm good. Like I was going to ask you too, though. Like you said, if it is used um, with intention or with purpose, like wizard of Oz or Pleasantville, Mm -hmm. do you, I thought Pleasantville was awesome. And like the way that color was used in that too, especially like going back and forth a little bit, like that was ingenious. And that was um, again, like to continue, like, like, and that was like more purposeful probably than anything else would be. Right. Like that was a part of the narrative and it was like trying to Mm -hmm. show something very um, particular, but even like, I think there are God and I like movies escape me right now, but like talking about purpose, but like there are times where like you'll have color normally and then they change to black and white for like a, um, a sequence of like, yeah, a flashback and stuff like that. Right. Like kill bill. Like, uh, and like the those Washington. kind of things, like I love that, right? Like that is a visual cue, like this is different or this is something. Like those kind of things are great, but in yeah. general, to just watch a black and white movie, like it's it's more challenging for me, honestly. Are you sure it's not just that you haven't? To to your point, mostly they're older movies, and maybe you don't jive with the how the storytelling. And I agree in this modern era where I we have ADD for sure. And so some of these did slow- you just <laughs> diagnose me? I don't mean just you and I. I mean, what I mean, just like happened? the culture, is our the world, of the ship is breaking you down with it. No, I mean, the, yeah, this is the English patient. Yeah. Yes, you and I have ADD, but I meant the the world. Like everyone does, right? Everything has to be quick, in your face. You get bored if you don't get the action right away, and I think that's just part of our culture. And I think that's why it's. Would hard you call to that ADD or like here? My argument would be: I don't know that it's ADD. I think that we as a society, because we have like instant, instant gratification. gratification we have a shorter attention span i wouldn't argue, i wouldn't argue that that's an isn't ADD that clinically thing. add <laughs> you have a short you do, can't no you can't no, keep I attention with something add yeah. tends to like have attention like, deficit you have a short attention but i think i think there's also behavior like sure no i know i know where you're that, going like, and i agree and that's the point i'm trying to make is that is it just that those films don't capture our attention fast enough so it's hard to really envelop yourself in them because we do have you know, transformers and explosions and cool things to watch where going back and watching a period piece centered around drama and dialogue and the tension and emotion of the situation is a little bit harder. Yeah. And like, I I agree. I I agree to that, that point. And I like, whether it's an attention thing or, or not, I just think like we have, yeah, I mean, we've 
have the privilege of of growing up sure. with colored TV. Like, I would argue. I also though, went, like I'm not going back and rewatching like you know Dick Van Dyke and like what? Why not? You know, like I'm just I'm not. Or I love Lucy. It's just. But like, if you took those classic movies that you didn't like and turned them into color, I w- I don't think you'd, you'd like, like them. them either. Yeah, yeah. I don't. So think I don't I know would that either. black and white is the reason. It's I also, just I a tend to think like older movies tend to be like more campy as yeah, well, and like I, can see I that. struggle with that. Yeah. How about you all? Again, Do you have I, ADD? I don't. I don't let. Yeah, he does. I already told you. I don't let a film, whether it's black or white or color, like that doesn't ever like cloud like my judgment on the film. But I mean, you're again, so open minded. I, I don't see color. Yeah, I'd probably say I'm most open minded here on the absolutely. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but I'll advocate for that. I <laughs> advocate, advocate. <laughs> just kidding. I can say advocate. Um, wow. I'm, on point. I know. And Note, insert applause here. <laughs> <laughs> One of the first shows I ever remember watching was like The Three Stooges. Sure. Yeah. Because it was on syndication, not because I'm 80 years old, but... Um, I absolutely. I thought it was because you're old. I'm not kidding. I was like, "Oh shit!" Like not like not that you saw it in like real time, but like yeah, yeah, because it came when out you, on the. 30s, well, when you were when you were growing up, like were you watching shit in color, like as well, a yeah. young? Yeah. yeah, but we did have one TV that was black and white TV, just because like something like is broken. It's a hand me down. No, yeah. hand me down. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we did too. Yeah, yeah. basement yeah. TV was black and white. Yeah. As it should be. Yeah. Right. Or like, or, or like you actually when you had like antenna TV, like yeah. if it was like a higher channel and you well, couldn't you do it, in, up, if it was like in UHF, not VHF. Yeah. Well, or when you VHF, grow up with a f- in a family of means, like I did. <laughs> wow. wow, that's a capital D I C K. Wow, what a dick. I don't. Bottom line, I just, I don't know. I don't. Do you think that the movie Doctor Strangelove being in black and white clouded your judgment on the film, or do you think just the? I think like. I think that I can still appreciate what the movie was trying to accomplish, right? And like I think like I talked about like I really yeah. like some of the shots, I like yeah. the satire piece of it, like it just yeah. like would I watch it again? Probably not. Like yeah. you know, is it something that I would, you know, I have movies in my collection that like I watch every single year and like that is just a normal thing. Like that wouldn't be I would watch a movie. movie every single year. Really? Yeah. No. Yeah, I love this movie. I could rewatch it. I would the, the what you just said though, the movies you watch every year, if those were black and white, would you enjoy them less? I don't know. Like so part of in like I recognize like for me personally, like things that I really like about a movie and the things that really um attract me to movies are things that uh, I find compelling about movies that I think are good, right? Like what I think is good, you may not think is good. It's uh, subjective, mm-hmm. but like for me, like it's a lot about like it's dialogue heavy. Like a lot of my favorite movies generally tend to be dialogue heavy and I feel like really drive the narrative where I look at this movie or, you know, we'll be talking about um, another Kubrick movie that again, like I just feel like didn't have a lot of dialogue mm-hmm. in that. Like that's what I challenge. I, I feel challenged with, which is also probably another reason why we've talked at length about how much I did not like uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Like there's no no dialogue it's boring to me like there's like there's not a narrative that like is being driven by a like some form of dialogue it's more so just a visual thing and for me like that's fine but like i yeah i just think there's I, it's in not movies as, though there's always ways to push a narrative though just yeah. outside of just having dialogue so i think sometimes some movies get like you know they drown and 
dialogue or too I, much dialogue. And that's absolutely true. As well. I think there can be a Where balance. Really but slow. I think. If you want to talk think, about Mad Max quick, but like I think the thing about Mad Max is the main character in that film is like the world that it's set in. Right. But, so um, I would I would argue if you want to talk about like oh that movie is is good or like what's impressive about that movie yeah it's not the story yeah to me it's the costumes like they did an amazing job of making that world and like the costumes all of that stuff is impressive right. but if we're being objective and we're talking about the story of that yeah. it sucks no i'll argue nice. with that because I, and, yeah. and i'm gonna lump you in with me again with our add <laughs> I, what are you just because i think this might be part of it because i tend to watch movies and i will especially on first watch i will miss a ton of imagery or like subtle ways that shots or scenes play out with additional meaning that I didn't catch the first time around. Sure. And I think Mad yeah. Max is full of it. Mm -hmm. I think that's where the narrative is driven by. It's not what they're saying. It's it's a lot of where they are in the costumes. You're talking about um, what are those the cancer kids spraying themselves. You have to dive in a little bit more. These this is post post apocalyptic, clearly post nuclear. Mm -hmm. um, and so all why are they why do they need blood bags? Oh, because everyone's dying of radiation poisoning. So that's driving this narrative of what this world is. And you miss a lot of those subtle... Like I, when I first watched Mad Max, I was like, oh, well, it's the future. They need blood, whatever. But then you really dive in and go, oh, well, one of the cures of radiation poisoning is you need blood transfusions. Like so that you dialysis, need to find clean yeah. blood and things like that. So I think it's those subtle images that, that you find. And there's probably tons of, of other ones I'm missing mm -hmm. um, that really drive some of that. And that's the thing that... Speaking of the next one, one we'll do later with with more Kubrick, a lot of that is imagery that I had to go kind of mull on and do some YouTube watching to really appreciate all those little subtleties that happen when there was no dialogue. Yeah, for our listeners here, uh, this is Chris. I'm lazy, and so for me, I just want to enjoy it in the moment as it's on, and like the idea of like delving deeper. But see that to me, that's a Seems. great film. Is when it drives me to want to keep. Watching. I didn't right. see because I had to. Yeah. I was like, oh, what now? Here's the difference for me. When I think of like a great film, for me, the 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 litmus test for me is whether or not at the end of that fel film it made me feel something. So like movies that I I think about that have done that really well would be like Schindler's List, would be Shawshank, would be. Um, almost famous i think did that incredibly like there are movies that like like they move you you feel something like they have they've they've touched you in a way and that is for me what i would articulate is the gold standard and generally those tend to have stronger narratives and dialogues um but that that in my personal opinion is what i what is my gold standard for a good movie is whether or not like my feelings have been changed or whether i'm feeling something inside me that i hadn't previously I think, and I'm not a film expert and I haven't watched enough Kubrick to say this, but I think that's like exactly opposite of what Kubrick tries to do. I think he wants the the person watching it to come up with their own theories, yep. their own conclusions. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what drove me af after both of, the, both of the Kubricks that we did end up watching. Immediately, I went and I wanted to know more. Yeah. And I, that's what drives me towards a good movie is what keeps me thinking about it. Like... My example that I always go to is Interstellar, which is funny because we're going to talk about 2001, which is a straight <laughs> ripoff of Interstellar. But after Interstellar, I swear to God, I did nothing but research quantum theory and, yeah. and how oh, realistic. Yeah. For weeks, yeah. I was reading articles, right. watching videos on like how, how realistic was this? What could the black hole do? All of this stuff. So when a movie gets me, if I'm still attached to it, 
well past you know the credits that's what i think uh is what i not, i mean all movies can't do that but that's what really gets to me with with really good film right but the thing is you're both you both are talking about the same thing just the different ways that it sure. impacts you like right that's yes why and I no, like but that's like yes that's, and no because i would also say like they're like i would say like i don't there, so I think about my wife, who is like very, very smart. She's incredibly um, and listens like, to this podcast. Logical. That's why. It's, that's why it's complimentary. Oh. No, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> but I was gonna say, like, she can't turn her, like, she can't turn her mind off. Like, she's constantly thinking. She's always thinking. She's always like noodling on something. And like, like that to me, like I, like I don't have that. I call it a problem because I would hate <laughs> that. That sounds exhausting. But like, I don't have that. Like. The reason that I watch movie and film is like that's my like disconnect. That's how I, sure. um, how I Makes am sense. able to unplug. So like I'm not sitting here like like she when we'll watch. She loves like different kinds of like mystery movies or like or TV series and and things like that. Where like she's trying to work it out is like everything's happening mm-hmm. and I just let it play out and I'm like tell me like just give me the story and like that those are sense. two very different. Uh, ways of thinking or very like or like lack thereof maybe for me but like like she's constantly working on like noodling like figuring it out before she gets told and that's the game for her where for me it's like I'm gonna enjoy the ride and Mm -hmm. you just take me for it and I think like what you're talking about Casey is like you love the idea like when it's done I'm gonna like noodle on this and I'm gonna figure it out and I'm gonna delve deeper where I'm like wow like either that that took me to the place where I was like that like wow that's impressive or incredible or i i'm feeling something but like it's for me it's not that that need to continue to like think about it or be like fixated on it for the next day you don't want an open ending at all you want it kind of not to not to not to belittle it but you kind of want it packaged up and wrapped like at the end of shawshank you know he got out you know he got his boat and here comes red boom you know it's a happy ending there's no ambiguity i can i can deal with ambiguity i know but like you you preferred not and 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 it's not even a it's not a dig. It just sounds yeah. like well, no, and I I don't take it as a dig, but I think like again, like whether whether it's open ended or not, like I want to finish that movie feeling like wow, I've been moved sure. in some way or like sure. I think so that not is... just that, but also you wanted an emotional experience. Yes, part of it. Sure. and like that's why like even like some indie films that I would argue probably aren't as like that great, but like movies that like I've connected with, like Danger Dangerous Lives of the Altar Boys is a movie that I connected with and I love and I think it's a really neat job, like way that they've they had done um some of the the art to that. Mm-hmm. Uh they did like comic book or like graphic novel style, which I'd never seen before in my life. That was the first time I'd ever seen that in a movie. Um it also has a great cast. Um but like that to me like they have like the ending is is a very emotional ending and like I, I gravitate towards that and it made me feel something. So the movie cr- has very little critical acclaim, um, but I've always loved it. Or same with like Igby Goes Down. Like Igby Goes Down is another indie film that I don't think has very much critical acclaim, but again, another like amazing cast. And like it, it moves me. It has this like, and I, I love it. Uh, one thing I forgot to ask is like, does this movie hold up? Dr. Strangelove. Does this? Do you do you think this movie is just as relevant today as it was? Well, we kind of have something years ago. That you know, out? I I think I wonder if our answers would be different, like three years ago. <laughs> Count, counts on fingers to the Obama administration, but right. <laughs> I mean, but really, I think like in the current era we're in. I mean, to timestamp this episode, we 
um, launched, no, we bombed Iran. They launched missiles on Wednesday. So, yeah, I mean, it totally feels relevant right now. It's just the yeah. players are different. Well, America's still the one player. Very right? stable government full of stable geniuses. <laughs> I also think, like, some of the, the to to go back and revisit the, the conversation earlier, too, that Casey was talking about. Um, in his like first impressions, he was talking about like the the craziness of the bureaucracy and like the red tape of things. That, regardless of what administration is, mm-hmm. like that is what our politics look like. Regardless, I I think back to Obama trying right. to get um, to get Garland yeah. in as a Supreme Court justice, right? And like how how long that process took and how it was bureaucracy step after bureaucracy step after bureaucracy well, really, step. Where there wasn't bureaucracy, it was well, McConnell. Boring, stupid chess. But yeah. like, Boring, stupid, and so like, I chess. I look at that and I think there is still, regardless of whether it's a Republican or a Democrat in sure. office, like true. that that idea reigns true no matter what. I don't. Uh, people at home, you can look this up yourself, but I do know that this movie um, changed how um, protocol went for, as far as like who can order a strike. Um, just so like something like this does not happen. Go ahead. Speaking of that, fun yeah. fact from the book, in the movie, uh, Fluid Dude, what's his name? Uh, Ripper. Ripper. In the book, yeah. Ripper's the only guy with the code. Yeah. Sorry, in the movie, he's the only guy with the code. In the book, he's got two generals who know the code, but he sends him on a golf trip before he does all of this. Oh, that's nice. clever. So other people have it, but they're not around. Nice. Okay. That is a pretty good comedy bit, though. I do like Mandrake trying to... <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. My legs won't exactly work. (laughs) All that stuff is great. I do like the point where Mandrake finds like the last radio and is like, well, I just thought I would happen to turn it on. And, uh, you know, if there were uh, the nuclear, whatever, attack going on, where would the radio play? There's multiple stations playing. Yeah. Uh, Mandrake. (laughs) I thought I ordered you to shut down all radio communications. Yeah, and in the book, too, that same thing happens. He closes his base off, and there is a battle, you know, American fighting American, which I think is the most ludicrous part of that whole part, where you send a bunch of U.S. troops to go kill a bunch of U.S. troops. It's nuts. Did you read the book, or did you just No, read it's from the... There was, a, again, a YouTube video that described the differences between the, the film and the book. I wonder if this influenced the fluoride water conspiracy... Yeah, I, yeah, someone actually yeah. told me that at work the other day. Like, oh, you know that fluoride, it's going to... It's going Fuck, to what were they mind saying? control. They were saying it was calling, causing Alzheimer's or some shit because it. I, bet, I guess Remember our blood used, can't filter used to fluoride. Say, like, if you drink yeah. out of aluminum cans, that would yeah. cause Alzheimer's. Well, they were saying yeah. that, like the the fluoride sticks to some molecule and then it gets they don't leave your brain the blood in your brain or something. Yeah, that's what so you've got fluoride buildup. I'm a huge yeah. huge fan of science. However, we are still debating whether or not eggs are healthy for us <laughs> like, we can't right. decide right so i think there's also something to be said take it with well, let me go hit salt. my jewel real quick yeah, yeah. <laughs> all i know is they took those bottles off the target shelves <laughs> that's all i know and thank you for listening to this episode of movie time machine and remember make sure you're protecting yourselves from the communists who are trying to pollute your precious bodily